0: Crippled Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability. With your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. Shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Let's shine a bright light on sex and disability together. Connect with me on Twitter at AndrewGurza, that's A-N-D-R-E-W-G-U-R-Z-A, and use the hashtag DisabilityAfterDark. Hello, hello, thanks for coming to episode 25 of Disability After Dark and clicking on the little clicky button that brings you here. So excited that you're here to to listen to this episode. It's a really fun one and I'm excited to bring it to you. So let's do that right now. For this episode, I waffled a bit in trying to figure out what I wanted exactly to talk about and what I wanted to bring to the table because when we've hit 25 episodes, I've kind of touched on a lot of stuff already and I wasn't sure where to go. But then I thought about thinking outside the box and thinking about sexuality from a wider spectrum than just sex itself. And I wanted to look at at parts of sexuality that are not really generally talked about when we think about disability and sex. So I wanted to talk about fashion. So this episode is entitled Fully Functional Fetish Wear. That's what my slide says, but I'm going to change the title right now to Fashion and Fully Functional Fetish Wear. Can you say that five times fast? Probably not, but this is a good episode, the notes are great, and I'm going to read the notes and go and deviate and do my usual spiel and talk about all this stuff, so let's go right now. Excited. Get excited. It's going to be great. Okay. So, to start off, I thought it was important that we talk about kind of our societal expectations and what we wear as people when we decide to pick out clothes and what what that means for us. So what we wear in our society has decided what makes us, quote, sexy. And there's a whole industry based around the clothes we wear that reveal our sex appeal and what is considered sexy. And there's whole studies and all these things that looked at fashion and what it does to the brain and what it makes us think about when we think about sex and all these things have been talked about before. There's something really attractive for us as people, is seeing somebody who in clothes that accentuates their sexiness. There's something you talked about seeing a really good looking for me, a really good looking guy in jeans or somebody who really knows how to to work a tank top. I think that stuff is really, really attractive. But I, I wondered, you know, why do I think that's attractive? That's that's part of what I was wanted to think about when I was putting together this episode is why do I think that this stuff is attractive because we've been told as a society that this kind of stuff, a good looking guy in jeans and a tank top, accentuating their muscles and their body and all these things, is what's meant to be attractive and that's what we have that's what we've come to see as sexy. And the same goes for female identified individuals who are given a much higher aesthetic to to gravitate towards I don't know if gravitate's the right word, but they were given a much higher aesthetic to try to conform to around the female body and what the female body is supposed to wear in order to look sexy. And there's all of these ideas about what a woman is supposed to wear to look attractive, a little black dress, a little red dress. There are whole Taylor Swift songs based around what she's wearing and what he's wearing that that talk about the sexiness and attractiveness. And come on, let's be honest with each other now. We pick clothes based on this principle and this idea that somebody might rip the clothes off you in throes of passion. Come on, think of your most sexy outfit that you own. Even if it's just jeans and a t-shirt or sweats, we've all imagined that it, what it might look like on the floor, haven't we? I mean, we've all been there. I'll let that image simmer in your brain for just a minute. Because I know it's hot. I'm picturing it too. We've all been in that place when in our heads where you're wearing what you would normally wear or you we're you, wearing your most sexiest piece of clothing, and the good looking person that you fantasized about forever comes to your door and rips it off you and you end up throwing the clothes on the floor. How many movies have we seen where the opening shot is jeans and a t-shirt on the floor panning up to the bed with the lovers that's that is a a trope that we see constantly in movies and in the media showing that fashion and what we wear is considered part of our sex appeal. So I ask you then, think about that image of, of, what you've, of what's you've what been strewn on the floor by your lover. Go into that fantasy place for a minute. As you're listening to me talk about this, think about the person that you fantasize forever coming into your home and ripping off your clothes. I know it's a hot image, and if you're picturing me, you get extra points, and I hope some of you are. <laughs> If you're picturing me, know that it's going to take me a long time to throw those clothes off because of my disability. So, if you're picturing it to be a really fast, spontaneous thing, add about three or four minutes to make it realistic. But picture whoever you're picturing. Um, picture whatever you're picturing. And I'm, I'm curious, as you're listening, tweet me about what clothes you have snrew- have had thrown on the floor by your lover. What is... What is down there? Is it jeans and a t-shirt? Is it that sexy dress? Is it a tank top and some sweats? What what has, What is on the floor in your fantasy? And the, whatever you see will talk to you about what you consider, what we consider socially and societally as sexy. Okay, so I'm going to give that image just a minute to like burn out of your brain because I know that some of you were so hot at the idea of me bursting into your home and taking 10 minutes to rip off your clothes, that you're sweating now as you listen to this. I know you are. Don't pretend. I know. It's okay. You can have the feels for me. I can be your, your... I was going to do Man Crush Monday, but this is coming out on a Friday, so I don't really know what I can use. I can be your fuck friend Friday. That that works. Let's go with that. So, yeah, take a minute to get the image of me taking 10 years to take off your clothes out of your brain. I know it's turning you on, but... Move it aside for just a minute. And I want you to think now, how many times have we been in a Starbucks line or have we been in the check line at a club or leaving a party or doing something at the store and you see somebody that is just killing it in the fashion world. You see somebody that's just, just killing it. They have something amazing on, they're wearing something that they totally are owning it and they are loving it and they're coiffed in every way and they are perfection. Every single piece of what they're wearing is on fleek as the kids say. I feel like I'm too old to say that, but that's apparently the the moniker and the the colloquialism of the day. So I'm going to use it again. Kids, you know, this person in our that we see in this line is on is on fleek and they're amazing and they look great and they fucking know it and they know that you know it too and they look fabulous and there they are wearing whatever they want and they're just loving it. And I This happens to me a lot. I see people that are just owning that and loving that part of the experience, and I have feels about that when I see people in the Kochek line or in the, the Target line or in the Starbucks line wearing clothes like that. I have a moment, and I want to share my thoughts on that with you now. So the moment that I have when I see people who are owning their shit, I have two... Things happen to me simultaneously. I get really excited for them, because I'm like, yes, good for you. You're owning this, and this is important, and you look amazing, and I am proud of you that you're owning that. Great. But I'm also like... I get excited, and then then almost immediately, simultaneously with the excitement, I also get... Oh, fuck, I'm jealous of you. Like, I'm super jealous of you and what you're wearing, and I don't look like that, and oh my god, I... I don't look sexy like that. How could how could I look like that? And I, you know, when that's happening to me, generally I'll look down at what I'm wearing, and I will let out a huge sigh of despair. Like, oh fuck! I don't. I'm not wearing that shit. Well, that's. I I look at I'll look at them and I'll look at myself and I'll I'll do that back and forth. Kind of I'll look at them from across the way and I'll look down at myself and I'll be like, well, they look amazing, like they've just been dressed by the Bluebirds from Cinderella or from Beyonce's stylist. And I look like my attendant just dressed me. Like they dress me not for me to look good and for not for me to look excited by what I'm wearing and not for me to feel sexy, but they, the attendant dressed me to make it easier for them for them to provide me with what I need. So we know what generally people in society wear to feel sexy. We've talked about that. But I want to now kind of segue into what you wear dot 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 when you are disabled and what the differences are for somebody living with a disability to pick out clothes and pick out what they want and to feel, you know, what what clothes shopping is like for somebody living with a disability. Now, when I speak about this, I've said in the notes here, clothing styles of the crippled and in parentheses, I'm going to speak primarily from my experience as a wheelchair user here. Um, So the clothing styles of the crippled are never really wholly for you, the end user at all, at least in my experience. There have been many times where I've gone shopping with friends, where I've been excited to buy the sexiest thing I saw at the store. where I wanted to buy... I remember... There was a bunch of jeans that I wanted to buy. When back when I was like twenty one, twenty two, there were jeans that I was just in love with, and I really wanted to get these jeans because they looked really hot, and I would be totally the the talk of the town in these jeans, and everybody would want to get in my package and and S my D if I wore these jeans, and it would just be they would be amazing, and I would be I would look great. So I would go shopping with my friends, and I'd see these jeans, and I would. Think to myself, well, I'm gonna get them because I'm there with my friends, and that's cool that I can get the jeans. Um, And I also really love tight things, and I love things that accentuate musculature or bulges of any sort. Yeah, there's some sex. There's some sex reasons in there. I like bulges. I like muscles. um, I like all of that. That just that gets that makes me excited, especially upper upper body muscles. I'm not so much. It's weird. I like upper body muscles for all the same reasons that we all do. But I also I'm also obsessed obsessed with the male calf. And maybe that's because I don't have... If you look at my legs, I don't have a lot of musculature there. In fact, I don't have any musculature there. I have skin, bone, and tendons and the usual... Like, I have the usual cripple leg. So I don't really um, get to look at my own, my own legs and go, yeah, my legs look hot today. So I, I love it when other men that I'm interested in wear or have visibly, visibly muscled calves for some reason, it gets me really excited. Uh, so, I like bulges and musculature of any sort, and I remember getting these really slick pair of corduroy jeans. It was 2004, I was with my best friend, and, we were, and they were really in, so don't judge me when you're like, oh my god, Andrew, nobody wears corduroy anymore. In 2004, everybody wore corduroy because they wanted to do an homage to the 70s, um, it was cool back then, so I got these jeans with my best friend, we went to the store, and she's like, oh my god, Andrew, you would look amazing in this, you're sexy as fuck, get these jeans, I love having friends who can go with me to the store and be like, you would look hot in this, get this thing, this is my friend and I, she, she was, she's always like that, so I got these jeans, um, with her, and I put them on to go out to the club that night, or the or or that weekend, or something with her, and I was super excited to do it, and I put the, I put them on, and I all of a sudden was like, oh, my bulge looks amazing, but this hurts like fuck. I was in a ton of pain because the material had bunched up in the spots where you sit, and it hurt, and my junk, I was in pain for a good long time that evening, even though I went to the club with the jeans anyway, to be like, I'm hot, but it hurt like a bitch. We're going to play some ads now and we'll be right back with more about fashion and fully functional fetish wear right here on Disability After Dark. Hey, I'm Samantha Fraser, founder of Playground Conference and co-host of Tell Me Something Good, sexy storytelling live show and podcast. I listen to Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability, and I'm so glad you're here. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker-owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. This episode of Disability After Dark is a handmade piece of crippled content created just for you. We record, edit, and produce each piece of this show to bring disability to you in a fresh, honest, and sexy way. Help us create more episodes and support crippled content creation by heading over to our Patreon page. That's www.patreon.com and pledging if you can. Your monthly pledge goes towards things like audio equipment, podcast hosting subscriptions, and everything we need to bring this disability-centered program to you. By pledging your support, you're showing that disability content has value, means something, and deserves a place in our media landscape. Thank you for supporting this podcast. I hope you liked those ads there, and thanks so much for coming as you are, for being our sponsor, and for everybody who sent in their ads around the... Uh, disability after dark promos that you hear people have done that for me on their phones that's amazing and I really really appreciate the people that people are putting that forward if you want to create an ad you can totally do that for me and you can email it at andrew at and and I'll send you what to say you can add a little flair about yourself and we can get this podcast out to more people and let them know that people are listening and want to share in this conversation so hope you enjoyed those ads let's get back to the show so we were talking about what you wear as a disabled person and i was telling you about how i went to this party and i was wearing jeans and my bulge hurt because i was sitting on my bulge and it hurt a lot and it was i looked awesome but it hurt that sucked so <laughs> the experience of being of wearing wearing clothes as a disabled person goes like this you're usually in my case especially because i i require and in a lot of care to get what I need in my day. I'm dressed by someone else. I am, anyhow. Some people are not. And no, there's really nothing particu- particularly luxurious or stately or sexy about being dressed by someone else. Now, being undressed by someone else, though, can be super hot. Super, super hot. So, you're dressed by someone else who's looking into how to get the clothes around your mobility device while still providing you as much comfort as possible, while also allowing themselves easy access to provide care should they need it. So this process of getting dressed is really, it's a very interesting process because you can't just pick out any kind of clothes. I couldn't wear jeans every day because I'd hurt. I couldn't wear corduroys every day because A, it's 2017 and they're not anymore, and B, it would hurt. I couldn't wear dress pants every day because they'd bunch, there's a lot that goes into what you can actually wear, because I also, I don't have to consider it just to myself. I have to consider what happens at the point when I need assistance, and what my attendant is going to do if they can't remove the clothes with ease. I can't share with you enough stories of, in my youth, how many times I tried to dress cool, and look cool, and be sexy wearing the most inaccessible clothing possible, and then I would leave the club or the bar or the college drinking spot that I was at, and I would have to go pee, and I would be running home to my attendant only to get there to have them ready to help me, and realizing that it would take an extra one minute or two minutes to get my pants off, which, when you're crippled and have to pee, is literally the most painful and terrifying thing ever. I can't even tell you how scary it is to have to pee, And to be stuck in your own clothing because you thought you would look hot and you didn't consider the fact that you might need to urinate if you drink all that beer. That happened to me many, many times in my 20s. So many times at 3 a.m. I'd call the attendant running home from the college bar and I lived in the dorm so it was easy enough for me to get there. But they would get there ready to assist and I would be dying and jumping up and down and having spastic pee fits because I had to pee and they couldn't get my clothes off. And, you know, while I'm thinking about it, that also poses a problem for if you're ever with a lover and they need to redress you or undress you, putting on sexy clothes to entice the lover is hot. But then you also have to remember that at the end of the night, if you take them home, they, at least in my case, have to find a way to get the clothes off you. And it can be, there have been moments where it's, you go from having a sexy conversation with your partner where who you're about to fuck to, oh my God, Andrew, the shirt's stuck Halfway on you, how do I do this? How do we do this? What do I do? Those are comical moments, but it does make you consider and reconsider what it is you're wearing and how how wearing the sexy, form-fitting, tight clothing isn't really an option for you and why it looks good, but it can be really difficult to actually navigate as a disabled person for both you, your attendant, and your possible lovers. So, what you wear when you're disabled? You end up wearing really loose clothing, especially if you're a wheelchair user in a big, motorized wheelchair. It's a little bit different if you're able to access clothing in your, if you're in a smaller manual chair, that can be different. I've seen people in manual chairs able to access a lot of different fashion choices because of the size of their chair, and it makes things a little bit easier. But if you're in a big, behemoth chair like mine, my chair is huge, Oversized, actually, is what they refer to my chair, which is ironic because everything on me is oversized, just in case you're all wondering. Um, <laughs> so if you're in a big wheelchair, you end up wearing really loose, kind of like baggy clothing. It's a lot easier in a lot of ways, but it is the least sexy. They're really big. It's really shapeless. It has no real shape. You kind of look like you're constantly wearing a poncho, or you're wearing, you're just hanging at home wearing easy clothes, which is, which is totally, if, if, if you're into easy clothes, and that's what you want to wear, what you want to wear, that's great, go ahead and rock those sweats if you want to, but if you want to wear something sexy, and you want to feel good about yourself, and you want to have a little bit of style, that stuff doesn't ever work, and it's annoying that, that you often can't find stuff that fits your needs as a wheelchair user or with a larger mobility device to feel sexy in. One of the other things you have to consider as a wheelchair user is that you want to find clothes that don't don't contribute to skin breakdown. A lot of people who are wheelchair users and who are constantly sitting in their chairs because of their mobility have to find clothes that are loose and comfortable and form-fitting to their ass because... Nobody wants to get a bed sore, and those are those are real concerns and have constant skin breakdown on their bum because of these issues. So these are things that you have to think about when you're getting clothes. So typically what happens is to get, to get that kind of comfort, you end up having to wear, again, less form-fitting, less sexy clothing than you may want to wear because you have to consider all these other things. Part of the disability experience also is realizing that you have to find clothes that that are within a suitable price range for you, given the fact that most of us with disabilities or living with, quote, severe disabilities, severely sexy disabilities as I see them, um, are living on some sort of social assistance, whether it's here in Ontario, Canada, whether it's the Ontario Disability Support Program, whether it's uh, the SSI Program in the U.S. or different programs wherever you live, many of us with with Behemoth wheelchairs and very specific disabilities are living on some form of social assistance. So the sexy stuff will cost you probably a lot more than you can actually afford as a person with disabilities. I'll be honest, I spent a lot of my, my social assistance checks when I was younger on sexy clothes that were that hurt me, that were bulge, painful for sure, and were form fitting because I didn't care and I wanted to look sexy and it didn't matter. And that's what I wanted to wear. And nobody was going to fucking stop me because I wanted to look on fleek and I wanted to look good. And this is what I was going to get. So I I have spent a lot of money on clothes that I would later not be able to wear because of my disabilities and things would happen that I just couldn't wear them or I'd have to give them away or, or bring them back. But I would spend a lot of money because I didn't. it was annoying to have to think about all these things. And I wanted to just go to the store and wear the clothes. The irony is now that much of what I do involves me not wearing clothes, but there was a time when clothes were very, very important to me, and they still are, which is why this episode is happening right now. Now there are clothing options for people with disabilities. There are slash were clothing options because many of those options have gone out of business. One of the main ones has no is no longer able to sustain themselves, so they're out of business. And I really I supported the idea of what it is they did, but I found that those particular, that particular company had a lot of issues, I found, and I, I didn't feel like the clothes necessarily evoked a sexy look. They had zippers on their clothes so you could technically remove the clothing easily, and so it served its purpose, but they didn't really make me or anybody want to rip your clothes off, and they were really, in my opinion, really, really expensive, and they went kind of against what the whole idea of the clothing was. Access- they were accessible in one way, but really inaccessible in a whole slew of other ways for the market that they were trying to to speak to. I remember this one time I was hooking up with this guy once, and we were, you know, getting it on, and we were about to, you know, do the things, or we were in the middle of doing the things. I can't exactly remember. He was probably in the middle of taking off my clothes, um, and he commented on what I had been wearing by telling me that I wasn't that what I was wearing wasn't really appealing to him, and why didn't I wear something a little bit sexier? And I remember feeling both confused, because at this point, we were about to fuck, and we were going to get naked, so wouldn't my clothes just be on the floor? And why, did, why does the style of my clothes matter necessarily, right at this moment, in person? I also have been told by other people that I try to deal with when I go on dates or things sometimes that I, that I have no class Or style in what I wear. Uh, And these comments really hurt me a lot. Because I know that I rock track pants and sweatpants and t-shirts like no one else's fucking business. I, I love that shit because it's comfortable. But I do wish sometimes that I could wear the conventional sexy clothes that make me feel sexy and make people see me as a sex object saying sex object right there sounded slightly weird. What I meant, well, I mean, I hope I hope that some people see me as a sex object, but what I meant more succinctly was I hope they see me, as, I want people to see me as sexually viable and somebody who has sexual worth. And I, sometimes when you wear, like I was saying, clothes evoke that. And, when, and I often feel when people say stuff like that to me about my style and my lack of style or what they think, perceive style to be and they tell me that I don't have it, it's like, If you only knew what I wish I could wear. I'll be honest too and say there are moments where the feeling of not wanting to dress sexy or not wanting to to care about what I'm wearing or not wanting to feel like I need to be sexy because who's going to fuck me anyway? I'm just the boy in the chair. Those feelings and when I get depressed and when I get upset about my circumstance as a queer crippled person, which happens... You know, pretty regularly, I fluctuate between loving it and not really liking it, which is the reality of disability. Um, I'm, I'm like, well, no one's going to fuck me anyways. So it doesn't matter what I wear today because it doesn't, you know, those feelings cross my mind a lot as well. And they come into play more often than not. So it's, it's a balancing act for sure. And while we're talking about fashion and what fashion means for us and why, you know, the, the fashions in the fashion world wouldn't it be great to see somebody on a runway in a fashion show modeling with a disability who isn't there to make able-bodied people feel good about themselves? You see this a lot recently. It's happened a lot on big runway for New York Fashion Week. It happened, I think it happened somewhere in Europe too. There was a woman with Down syndrome who was in a lot of campaigns recently, and it was a big splash in the world, and there was also a baby a little boy with Down syndrome who was in some print ads, which is adorable. I thought they were great. I thought all that was great, but so much of the narrative around that and around fashion is to make able-bodied people feel particularly good about themselves. Um, I also feel sometimes when disabled people are put in particular poses for magazines, I've done it. I've been, I've been posed by people in, in very particular kind of ways to evoke, sexiness, and I make, I think sometimes it makes the able-bodied people feel good about themselves and feel better about themselves. I also think that if we're going to go back to the runway, the, run, the runway analogy that I was suggesting there, wouldn't, wouldn't it also be great to see an individual with a disability on the runway wearing clothes that were designed for them, that make them feel good with their mobility devices and all those things? I think, I think we need to see more of that. I also think we need runways that are designed for people with disabilities. So we need one run- runways. I cannot say runway. It's like when someone tries to say rural juror. Wow, I just said it. But I'm having trouble with the word runway today. So um, I'd love to see a runway that is designed for disabilities. And I think this would change the face of fashion and the way disability is considered in the fashion world. Because it is considered. It is considered. But in a very ableist Lens, I think. So I want to move away from the conventional discussions around clothes and sexiness and what we wear, and talk about something that I'm just starting to kind of get used to and and avail myself of, and I, that is fetish wear. The episode is called "Fully Functional Fetish Wear," so let's let's talk about fetish wear. I want to talk about the first time that I wore and the person that I saw fetish wear. In particular for me, the thing that it was Im- I was immediately drawn to was the harness. I remember I was at a... I think I was at a, a fetish uh, conference or a sex conference talking about sex and disability, and I saw somebody wearing a harness, and I immediately was like, this, what is this? This is amazing. I mean, I knew what it was. I'd seen harnesses in, in you know popular sex culture. I'd seen them before, but I'd never seen it worn by somebody. And I was intoxicated by seeing this piece of clothing I was like what is this and how do I get my hands on a on something like that how do I how do I do that where do I get it I was immediately um in love with the idea in love with the style and of course the gentleman wearing the harness was it just I was like wow your nipples are amazing right now and I'd like to put my hands all around the harness I had there was a lot of I had a lot of feelings when all this was happening to me right right then Um, and so, but I also dismissed seeing the harness as something that was inherently inaccessible to me. I thought, how would I fit into that? I can't wear, I can't, I'll never be able to wear a harness like that. That is not going to work for me. So as much as I liked it, I immediately dismissed it as something that I would ever be able to wear. As I'm looking at this guy in the harness, I'm also immediately thinking of how my staff would be able to put this harness on me, and what this would mean for me, and how awkward it would be for me to be like, "Hey, care workers, do you think you could just throw this harness on me right now? Um, do you think you could help me put on these sex clothes right now? Because I'd like to wear them." I felt like there was a lot of there was so much awkwardness about having to explain that to my care workers, and even the thought terrified me. I was absolutely terrified by this thought of that being a thing that was happening. Um, I just thought this was going to be awkward and there's no way that I'll ever be able to get to, to get to wear a harness until I did. Let me share that experience. The first time I wore a harness, quite honestly, I was transformed. I loved every second of the experience. I had a friend of mine who brought over some fetish wear and some leathers. They call it, It's I'm learning that it's called leathers, so I want to respect what it's called. He brought over his leathers and I was so excited by the whole prospect of where i'm doing this i was terrified that it would take forever and the person i would get stuck in it but i was also really excited so my friend brought over this harness and i just i fell in love with it i put on the harness and it was like when clark kent turns into superman and goes into the phone booth and like transforms into this super different version of himself takes off the glasses and rips open the shirt and is amazing It felt like that mixed with when Sailor Moon... You all remember Sailor Moon. This is going to nerd me out right here. But Sailor Moon... When Sailor Moon transformed from the, like, weird, awkward, giggly schoolgirl that she was into, you know, Sailor Moon or Sailor Venus or Sailor... There was a whole bunch of other ones, but I I loved that show when I was a kid. So I used to watch that all the time. That's how you know I'm super queer. Uh, And I loved when she transformed. So when I put the harness on, it felt like me transforming into, into Sailor Moon, and in the notes here, I put, can someone please turn that into a, a GIF, can someone turn that into a GIF for me, so you've seen the 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 podcast art where me is a unicorn with the harness on, can somebody turn it into me spinning around in a, in a Sailor Moon-esque type circle, and wearing a harness, I think that would be amazing, if somebody has the, um, the technological abilities to do this, let me know and I will pay handsomely for such a gift. I think it would be so funny and hilarious. Uh, So I'll admit, the first time that I put the harness on to come off my crazy Sailor Moon tangent, the first time that I put the harness on, I was terrified and scared of my spastic body movements, and I found it to be quite difficult because my arms were spastic and having contractures and all these things were happening to my body as I'm trying to put this really form-fitting piece of clothing on. It felt different. Uh, But when it was finally on, I felt different, and that was an amazing feeling. I felt like the meek, shy, cherubic person or the guy who wore the bigger, cheap, crip clothing because he was less than or people thought he was less than. Oftentimes when you wear bigger, like, track pants clothing or t-shirts, there's... There's an unspoken belief that you must be living in poverty, which is not necessarily true, but oftentimes when you couple that with disability, there's, there, that's something for sure. Um, so I felt like this person who maybe, have, maybe was perceived as less than had vanished by putting on this piece of clothing. To be quite honest with you, I never quite felt sexier than when I put the harness on my body. It was like in that moment feeling the leather on my skin and on my chest. It was like feeling superman's s emblem and being like yes this is this is who i am for real and this is what i this is this is what i want all it it felt like all of the desires and sexiness that i hide in my chair and that my chair forces me to hide because of its shape or shapelessness if you will was now it was now all of that was now on display it was kind of like me saying here i am this is me i bet you didn't expect this of me the disabled guy, but here I am wearing a harness and you can you guys all can suck it literally. If you're really lucky, you can suck it literally and pull me in with the harness. Also, in many ways, I would say that it was my armor. It protected me against all the people who couldn't deal with my reality. The harness would protect me in a way from all that bullshit. It's like when I wear the cripple hat that I have in public, it protects me from all the people who could say all the bad things because I'm wearing something that that exemplifies all of that and says, I know what you're going to say, I know what you think you believe, but this will protect me. And that's how I felt wearing the harness. And, you know, I've taken the harness on a couple of adventures. I was part of a fashion show last year to look at men's fashions and men's bodies and the way men are viewed in the fashion world, and I was asked to be a part of it as a wheelchair user with a friend of mine at a university out of toronto and i went down the runway for this fashion show in my harness and i felt so empowered to do that and be like here's my body here it is here's what i'm dealing with and you get you get to see it and i think there needs to be more of that kind of visibility of the disabled body in popular culture in the runway that isn't done for the good of the able-bodied community that isn't done to make them feel better about themselves that is to empower The disabled person, in looking at their own body, as something of worth and value. As much as I love fetish wear, and I think fetish wear is really important to empower the disabled community, and it certainly empowered me to embrace my queer, crippled identity, I think that it's important that we look at some trouble with the fetish wear for the disabled community. It's not always accessible in both function and in price for the disabled person. it might look great, but as I have experienced, there are many hooks and many extra pieces that don't really lend themselves to the easiest of access. I, my very first harness that I ever bought was like this, this pile of hooks that I couldn't ever untangle, and it kind of hurt, and it was kind of weird, so I had to get another one. But it was exorbitantly expensive, the other one. It was like 130 bucks, which was on the low end of harnesses. But for somebody living on a fixed income, 100 bucks is a lot of money. Um, so there needs to be accessible fetish wear. I was looking online a couple of days ago during the prep for this uh, I- this episode, and I saw something called yarnuses. And I don't know if they've gone out of business. I tried to message them and say, "Oh my God, this is great! I'd like to uh, I'd like to model your stuff and see if it works for the disabled community." It's basically harness made out of yarn. It's kind of sexy. I really was kind of into it. and I really wish that they I hope they've not gone out of business. If they're listening to this, or if anybody at Come As You Are, or anybody who is listening knows how to get a hold of them or wants to knit me a Yarness, let's talk about that. But there needs to be more accessible fetish wear. I found an article when I was looking through also as well that said accessible fetish wear, and I was really excited to see what they were going to do around disability because we've been conditioned to believe that the word accessible means disabled. I didn't see anything about disability there and I was slightly disappointed. So there needs to be more accessible fetish wear. Overall we need to talk more about the fashions of people with disabilities and what they wear and what's comfortable for them and and understand that what's fashionable for an able-bodied person is simply not going to work for somebody with a disability but we need to look at the accessibility of clothing and what clothing means in terms of our sex appeal and what it means for us to wear To feel good about ourselves. We need to look at price points. We need to look at the lived experience of disability to determine what kind of clothing we're going to to make for people with disabilities. We need to look at the fashion industry needs to start embracing disability in a completely different way than they're doing. So right now, uh, we need to consider sex wear for people with disabilities that is affordable, that looks good, and that makes you want to rip my clothes off and fuck me in my wheelchair. We need to look at all that stuff, and we're not doing that enough. So this was only the start of a conversation. I'd love for you to to tweet me at Andrew Gerza and let's talk about fashion and clothing and disability under the hashtag disabilityafterdark or #CrippleClothing clothing or fully functional fetish wear. If you want to make that a big, long hashtag, go ahead. But this is a conversation we need really to have to look at what makes us sexy and how clothing and disability and fashion are intricately, 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 there I said the words, intricately related, and we need to talk about that more. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, read my blogs or book me to shine a bright light on sex and disability with you, head over to com. Copyright Notice This program was created and produced by Andrew Gerza and Cripple Content Creations. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and the music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission.